After Obergefell by Edward Whelan from the National Review magazine Just who do we think we are? That was Chief Justice John Roberts's plaintive query to his five colleagues, Justice Anthony Kennedy and the four liberal justices, as they imposed on the American people a radical redefinition of marriage that, as Roberts observed, has no basis in the Constitution or this Court's precedent. The legal question in Obergefell v. Hodges was not whether it's a good idea to redefine marriage to include same-sex couples. It was instead whether the court would foreclose the ability of the people in each state to decide that important question for themselves. In denying American citizens their rightful authority over that question, the court majority acted unconstitutionally and displayed, in the Chief Justice's words, an extravagant conception of judicial supremacy. How Americans respond in the coming months and years to this judicial usurpation will reveal much about who we think we are and about what America will become. In his majority opinion, Kennedy conceded that all of the court's precedents recognizing a right to marry presumed a relationship involving opposite-sex partners. But to Kennedy, that presumption reflected the blinkered understanding of past ages— that's how Kennedy breezily disposed of the inconvenient fact that the court in 1972, with Thurgood Marshall, William J. Brennan Jr., and William O. Douglas, three of the most liberal justices ever, dismissed as frivolous the claim that there was a constitutional right to same-sex marriage. In the core of his opinion, if, that is, a bag of gas can be said to have a core— Kennedy contended that the reasons marriage is fundamental under the Constitution apply with equal force to same-sex couples. It was left to the dissenters to point out the elementary fact that the sexual complementarity embedded in the historical definition of marriage, far from being an incidental feature, is rooted in the unique procreative capacity of heterosexual intercourse. That reality doesn't mean that the people can't redefine marriage through democratic processes, but it does explain why the constitutional right to marry that the court has recognized doesn't extend to same-sex couples. The court's ruling poses severe threats to marriage. The collapse of our marriage culture in recent decades, a collapse for which heterosexuals are responsible, has produced a society in which more than 40% of births now occur to unmarried mothers. That collapse has resulted from the weakening of the bond between marriage and procreation, from the widespread rejection of the principle that, as the Chief Justice put it in his dissent, for the good of children and society, sexual relations that can lead to procreation should occur only between a man and a woman committed to a lasting bond. The redefinition of marriage, in the guise of the Constitution no less, to include same-sex couples formally eliminates any connection between marriage and procreation. Heterosexual marriage will suffer, not because heterosexuals see the guys next door getting married— but because the law is now proclaiming that marriage has nothing to do with procreation. Further, candid gay activists acknowledge that non-monogamy is rampant in gay marriages, and they celebrate that the redefinition of marriage will undermine the norm of marital monogamy. Speaking of non-monogamy, 
The Chief Justice observed in his dissent that although Kennedy's opinion randomly inserts the adjective to in various places, it offers no reason at all why the two-person element of the core definition of marriage may be preserved while the man-woman element may not. In the immediate wake of the marriage ruling, more and more advocates of polyamory have come out of the closet to argue that the arguments for same-sex marriage support a right to plural marriage. Indeed, the best argument that we are not sliding fast down the slippery slope is that the polygamist version, one husband, many wives, of polyamory, has been historically common and is thus arguably upslope from same-sex marriage. By misbranding defenders of marriage as opponents of the Constitution, the Court's ruling will also sharply intensify the threats to religious liberty. Perhaps the most revealing moment at oral argument in Obergefell came when the Solicitor General candidly admitted that the nonprofit tax status of institutions that oppose same-sex marriage